Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 102. I'm Paul Spain, and with me is... Harley Ogier, uh, Reviews Editor at New Zealand PC World Mag. And Tim Hayward, I uh, look after the handset range at 2 Degrees. Great. Welcome along, guys. Now, uh, there's been been some interesting news in the tech world, as there is probably, well, there always seems to be interesting things every week. Uh, first up, now, Tim, this I don't know if you can comment too much on this one, but uh, um, certainly, certainly something of interest to uh, um, probably the rest of us is Telecom's uh, announcement around roaming prices. Now, Harley, you uh, you saw this one too. Um, it's it's quite Indeed, a it's yep. quite a change to um, uh, potentially the costs of of travelling overseas with a um, if you're a telecom customer with your mobile. It is. Well, it's a um, it's a fairly major change um, down to a, down, down to a flat rate rather than a um, ridiculous per megabyte. Yeah, well, I think I mean there's there's always been a, a you know a, a challenge when you're a, a mobile user that travels outside of the you know the country. You're no longer uh, you know I guess under the the plan that you're normally on, and you know there's always been uh, you know big costs for making calls and for data when you're overseas. And this is something we've seen sort of slowly uh, you know slowly move down. Uh, but what we're seeing from uh, from from telecom is a fixed daily rate for a number of countries. Now it doesn't cover all the countries, uh, but Australia I think is six dollars a day is sort of the flat uh, the flat rate. Uh, US, UK, Australia, and I think probably about ten other countries off the top of my head uh, are on a um, are on a ten dollar a day sort of flat rate. Uh, and then you know after um, after that there are other sort of uh, rates rates that apply, um, but even those rates have sort of come down dramatically from what we were used to in in the past um, by a factor of you know I think sort of a ten so sort of ninety percent uh, you know re- reduction across uh, what what mm. a lot of those rates were uh, were previously not much of a change in the actual calling rates, uh, but but certainly good to see those reductions. Um, Interesting that for prepay customers, there have been some changes, but uh, we're still up for the big bucks that we're, you know, I guess used to with roaming data. And uh, when we had a look, those are sort of between a thousand and eight thousand dollars. You know, if you were to uh, look at it on a per gigabyte basis, which is probably not a fair way to look at, you know, um, the amount of data that you might traditionally use when travelling. But some people will need to use. Uh, that over over a period of a of a trip. As soon as you tether anything to your mobile, which a lot of people do now, though, you tether your laptop to your mobile, and you could easily download half a gig of Windows updates without even realizing it. Well, I guess the lesson there that yeah we'd probably put out is hey don't don't tether when you're roaming, <laughs> and unless you're on a really really cool unlimited plan or something that's going to uh, gonna gonna handle it. Um, now, Tim. Two degrees. When you when you guys sort of came into the market here, um, I guess you you know you come in as a sort of a smaller player. Probably harder for you guys to sign up the some of these super competitive deals um, on an international basis. Is that something you can sort of comment on? I mean, we'd notice you know two degrees sort of you know you sort of set a benchmark in terms of pricing in the market that's been lower in in virtually other aspect uh, in every other aspect other than probably. 
um, roaming. I get. Is it? Would it be fair to say that's because you can control your rates locally, but you don't have as much control on an international basis? Yeah, look, you know, it's not an area I deal in um, closely, but I think you kind of have reciprocal arrangements with, you know, certain parties. So it's going to depend a little bit on traffic going both ways. Right. Uh, And I guess, you know, probably due to our our customer base at the moment, you know, we probably don't see as much roaming traffic or don't generate as much as perhaps uh, the other guys' customer bases might. Um, Look, I know it's a challenging area and and our guys are working on it all the time. there are a lot of individual agreements that have to be signed, you know, with multiple different um, parties. Yeah, there's not and just one sort of collective thing you sign up and say, yeah, we'll we'll do it this way. Not for a lot of places. I think no. there, are, there are a few hubs around that do take care mm. of some really small partners, but um, mm. in general, I think so there's a lot of legwork that goes on. So, um, you know, I guess what's exciting about, about Telecom's announcement is, is how simple, you know, the proposition is for... Uh, for customers, so well, for know. some of those countries, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but uh, you know, I think that yeah, the, yeah, the lesson still applies. Be be cautious when you're travelling. Make sure you know what the what the rates are. And of course, you know, Vodafone made their announcement uh, going back uh, probably a couple of months now, in terms of some really improved um, rates from them. And in fact, I used one of their bundles recently when I was in in Australia. Now, in that case, I was only there for uh, probably a day or a day and a half, and they had a. Um, a fifteen dollar bundle, which probably would have lasted me, a, you know, a, a few days. So potentially could have been cheaper than what Vodafone are offering here. But it really depends on what your usage is when you're travelling. So, you know, if if I mean, you know, I'm guessing at some stage Two Degrees will come out with another offering. We'll probably end up with three quite different offerings in the in the market. And uh, you know, I think consumers and, and and businesses will need to have a close look at what those are. Um, you know, when when people are travelling to get a good handle on what's the appropriate. Uh, uh, way you should you should make use of um, you know of data while you're roaming, right? I, I guess customers have also uh, got really used to finding other ways of doing it as well, haven't they? They've sort of had to over the last you know a few years. So a lot of Wi-Fi activity, a lot of buying local SIM cards, that kind of thing um, for people that are travelling. That's true, and there are some advantages in doing that. You know, I still keep a, a US SIM card active so that I've got a local US number, and you know, I've always found in the US there's a lot of convenience in that because uh, certainly, you know, going back sort of five or ten years, if you gave somebody in the US an international number, a lot of them wouldn't even be able to dial it, let alone ha- know how to dial it, and they had no way to SMS outside of the US either. So you had to have a local number. Now, in, in recent years, that's improved, and you know they, they do have the the interconnection sort of set up, so you can SMS from US at, to the rest of the world, and 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 vice versa. Uh, but that wasn't the case for a long time, so. And you've done something similar, right, Harley? You tend to you tend to um, use I, use a local SIM when I you're in the US. Local, yeah, I, I keep a US SIM active um, just because, for, for exactly the reasons you say. I mean, even now, a lot of people do have trouble dialing international numbers, particularly if they're dialing from a from a landline where you can't. There's no plus key or anything. You can't type what you actually see, so you need to know the the codes to dial. So. Yeah, it's too yes. hard for a lot of people because they don't they don't do it right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We're used to dialing outside of the country because most people in the world are outside of New Zealand. <laughs> That's true, very true. Uh, now, also um, in in uh, I guess in the telecom world, we've had the uh, um, the announcement in the last last few days around telecoms what they're calling their four G trial. Uh, now, this is something that was that they started talking about in the media, you know, some months ago. And this is their, um, their their testing, I guess, of four um, G LTE network, which is what we you know we know already exists in, in the US and uh, 
Tel- with Telstra in Australia, uh, and with uh, what's the um, what's the UK operator Tim that's uh, launched three four G recently? Was EE, it, yeah, everything everywhere, everything everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there are a few of these networks already around the around the world uh, in, in in Asia too, I think. Uh, but this is really just a uh, well, I'm not sure exactly what to call it because the 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 networks that they're testing aren't necessarily going to be what telecom use when uh, you know when we expect our mobile networks to offer sort of commercial 4G uh, services uh but yeah it's good good to see them putting something out there and it's going to be fun to have a little bit of a play with it so uh, we'll certainly report back once we once we know a little bit more about that but it's um yeah i don't i don't mind there being good fast uh, networks to to play with uh, in new zealand but the the coverage areas at the moment are going to be very very limited there's just specific pockets of um um of you know a few cities that are going to have it have it available so uh we'll we'll certainly get to where we need to get to 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 try that out and, and we'll talk a little bit about what we uh, what we find but uh, yeah. I guess I guess for most of us you know at the moment sort of you know HSPA plus and dual carrier are the more relevant um, technologies probably for the next 12 months I would hazard a guess so you know those things are delivering you know pretty fair speeds pretty yeah right because we look at the the, the speeds that they top out at of you know um, I mean technically 42 megabits a second but you know, we've certainly seen, and uh, you know, some of the speed tests that we've done. Uh, you know, it's quite common to get between ten and ten and fifteen. Uh, you know, megabits. Sometimes you'll get less than that, but still, on a mobile device, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Uh, and and in other cases, you know, people have been able to test those up to sort of twenty or or thirty uh, megabits as well. So um, yeah, that's. I think that's probably workable for most people at the moment. Uh, you know, it, it certainly com- is pretty strong compared with home ADSL internet connections. Um, Harley, have you sort of what's the fastest you've uh, you've seen? Have you seen any super fast speeds, or not something you've played with too much? Not something I've played with too. Well, something I've played with a lot, but not something I've really paid that much attention to because mobile speeds for me, most of what I'm doing on on the mobile are uh, things we don't really notice the speed. I'm viewing documents or browsing web pages i'm very rarely streaming video on my mobile or anything yeah that would i guess it comes down to bandwidth. tethering doesn't it if you're sort of mm. tethering your device and because we don't have unlimited data plans here in new zealand like you know we see in some of the other markets although those are, uh, are mostly uh you know dying out there's not many of those those left you know internationally but uh you know there have been those sort of plans and uh yeah if you could have that and you could tether all sorts of things with your mobile then it would become uh, quite useful but yeah not quite so relevant here any plans from uh, two degrees tim to offer uh, unlimited uh, data with uh, with tethering options for uh, for every customer for a dollar a month or anything oh look i couldn't possibly comment on that uh, <laughs> um i'll buy that <laughs> yeah there'd be a few takers but uh, probably not very good from a uh, business perspective for uh uh, for any carrier, um, I, mean, we, 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 I guess we, we focus on on good value in our uh, broadband zones. So we have some pretty aggressive, large you know data bundles in that space. And I've seen a few people, you know, talk about like our twelve gig you know bundle as being almost like using Wi Fi. You know, having for, in a month you're going to yeah. How much is that, that twelve gig offering? It's a good question. Uh, is it one f- one fifty or something. Yeah, like that? let me just go look it up for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can report back to us on that one. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it it is good to see that there are bigger, you know, bigger and bigger uh, mobile data plans, of, you know, available, and and the prices are, you know, are certainly you know coming down now for for two degrees. The way that you guys operate, you sort of have a roaming agreement with um, with Vodafone for areas where you don't have your own networks. Uh, but where which, which are the cities now that um, that two degrees have your own? You mo- what you're calling your mobile broadband zones, where you can buy these quite low cost, uh, you know, data, um, you know, packages, and and um, you know, get get the full 3G um, speeds. Well, look, that's you know, that's rolled out to um, quite a number of uh, locations now. I think we're probably in about, gosh, I think we'd be in at least ten, maybe more, you know, cities and towns. So that's expanding all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but all the major cities are, are sort of covered now. Certainly, the bigger, bigger ones, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, that's good because initially it was just sort of Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, and Queenstown or something, right? But sure. now, now it's kind of oh, look, we're way know, past you, that now. Yeah, 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 now if you go to a you know, major location, then it's it's likely there. I guess the smaller beach towns and things like that uh, are probably going to be some of the ones that that are not quite not quite there yet as people sort of head out over summer yeah look that's right um but then remember we've got you know all, all the mobile data that you get with your contract plans or your pay monthly plans um is national right so that's going to work everywhere right um and those bundles are pretty big now and of course then you can share that data across multiple devices as well so it's really it's really just those broadband zone bundles you use on your you know your dongle um that are, are kind of focused on our you know areas of coverage Cool. All right. That's good. Um, now, Panasonic have a little uh, a little announcement coming through, and they were to do uh, a little event around this, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when that when that's coming up. Uh, it's been rescheduled to 2013, I believe. Yeah, it's going to be in the next couple of days. And I just got an email today saying it's been pushed out to early 2013 due to the busyness of the season. And were you aware of what they were going to be talking about? Um, vaguely, a uh, app, a smart TV app, was yes. it for um for the old? Was it Trade Me for Trade Me? Yeah. yeah. So um so yeah, what I understand is that um th- and this is this is quite quite unusual. It's certainly in the local market. Uh, I mean, there are a few lo- you know local specific apps that we're seeing on the smart TVs. Quickflix probably being you know the the main uh, one that's sort of now starting to roll out. Uh, but from from what we know about this is there will be a uh, a trade me app so you can if you're a a bit of a trade me addict you can sit there and watch tv and you'll have the tv picture shrunk down a little bit uh so it's still there you can hear what's going on watch tv but surrounding the uh surrounding what you're watching on tv uh will be the the feeds and 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 trade me information so you can be buying and, and selling and and so on, um, whilst watching TV, which I thought is, is quite an interesting approach. I'm not sure, what I'm not sure about is what the benefits of this are compared to, for instance, using your smartphone, but you know, I guess on the flip side, there's an audience that doesn't sit around and watch TV with a smartphone or a tablet, so this sort of caters to that audience that could use their TV to, you know, to do what a computer might do or a smartphone or tablet might do while still watching TV. What do you guys think? Would you uh, would you use us, Harley? Is this your sort of thing? Are you a, I'm, a, a trade me uh, fanatic? Well, I I'd, I was a trade me fanatic quite some time ago. I used to sell all of my old tech to buy new tech when people actually bought secondhand technology. 
but uh, I, I'm I don't even have a TV at home anymore. So so smart TV is is really not my thing. But I, I can see it being really valuable if you're doing something like looking for a flat on Trade Me, because you've got a big screen that more than one person can share. So I can I can see it being quite useful in that. Uh, also, I suppose if you're one of those people who loves to swoop in at uh, 12 seconds before the end of an auction and place a winning bid. Right, you can keep and, a watch yeah, on what's happening. Yeah, if, you if you've got your yeah. smartphone on your knee, you might not be paying attention. But if it's right up there on the screen, there's a little bit more chance you might it, not be so hooked into the um, you know, the, the movie or TV exactly, program that's exactly. on you might catch it. Yeah. You've got a bit of a visual cue that, hey, this is the perfect time to uh, jump in there and, and, and get something and... Make, yeah. make someone swear at you through the internet. <laughs> what about in your household, Tim? Are there any uh, tra- trade me uh, um, addicts? Not a not a not a big thing for us, uh, no, Paul. But um, you know, always wanting to get a new TV, of course. And if that's uh, a good enough reason to justify it, that'd be great. Uh, well, I think you know all these little little additions. Event, you know, some of them are going to sway individuals. So I've got to have that TV because it's got that unique feature. Uh, and uh, you know, and I guess you know when when we when we start talking a little bit more about smartphones and tablets and things a little bit later, uh, you know, I th- I think you know we quickly find that there are particular unique little things uh, that that everyone sort of you know will, will find give them a preference for one platform or one device or another. Uh, and this may just be one of those things for the Panasonic TV for uh, uh, for a bunch of people out there. So, uh, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think TVs are still. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Where you know where you put your smarts for your TV, right? In the TV or or in something connected to the TV, and how open is a is a TV platform? And I think that's all probably still not quite where most people would like it to be. Yeah, well, I mean, from my preference, and you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. You know, my preference is to have a. Yeah, a little bit like my computer, you know, computer monitor is to have a, a fairly dumb TV and have the smarts in another device like an Xbox that can keep getting updated. And, and yeah, I've I've probably got a you know a, a home full of Xboxes now, uh, and they're attached to every TV or projector etc. in the house. And you know the convenience of that is that you know things can follow you around. And and the Xbox which. You know, the first one, I think the first Xbox 360 is probably about six or seven years old now. Uh, and But that even that original model still keeps getting the upgrades. So what a brand new Xbox today will do, you know, one of those old school Xboxes, if it hasn't uh, died with the blue ring of death, with the, red, those red, early, ring of death. red ring of yep, death that those one. early ones did, um, you know, will still be able to actually do all these fancy new things. Yeah, well. uh, so there's definitely some uh, some benefits. Whereas with a TV, you might get, you know, a little bit of upgrades, but it's not really a very powerful, uh, powerful box. So uh, that, that's certainly my opinion: is to separate the, take the smarts outside of the TV. Uh, but maybe my opinion on that will change in time if the if the TVs get better at how they do this and maybe get a little bit more flexible and upgradable. My thoughts are very much the same as yours. That I like, I like my TV, or if I'm using a TV, I like it to be the dumbest screen possible. That's very good at being a screen. And and to uh, to be a screen that lets you connect as many things to it as possible, wired and wirelessly, and then let devices do their own thing with that screen. Yeah, no, agreed. All right, now um, now talking of wirelessly, Harley, um, we were chatting earlier about um, WiDi, which is also known as Intel Wireless Display, as you reminded me. Uh, now, I, I shared on the podcast recently about some experiences I'd had with WiDi and initially how it worked well, but that, that I'd had some issues uh, between uh, my Windows 8 um, laptop or, or um, 
um, yeah, my Windows 8 device and the uh, YDI-based uh, Netgear device that's plugged into my TV. For those that haven't caught that, YDI or, or Intel wireless display is a technology that allows you to link up a device such as a laptop, a tablet, a smartphone uh, to a TV or a projector. Uh, there are some TVs that already have this technology built in, uh, but at the moment we're mostly using uh, boxes from the likes of Netgear that plug into the into the TV and light up that type of functionality. Now, I'd had some bad experiences, but Harley, you were saying you've tried this on, across quite a range of laptops, non-Windows 8, and it had been very, uh, very seamless and successful for you. Um, yeah, I've, I've tried it across um, at least five laptops, probably a couple more than that, and um, all using the exact same little Netgear adapter that you've got. Um, I think that's really the only adapter the that's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the only one that's really around in New Zealand. Um, at Intel's developer forum this year, actually, I saw the next generation of adapters coming up are really USB stick-shaped things that you can just hang off the back of your TV uh, um, out of a um, HDMI port and they don't even need a little box it's just like more like a stick that's great but um yeah i mean you're using the exact same adapter that you have and and quite a range of again all windows 7 laptops right so I've, it I've may well be really an issue with the, with the initial version of the software yeah, for it, windows 8 in it, that it, case, it could in well case, be yeah. I, I mean that's yeah i i had a few issues setting up in the very first place but i've, I've found that that after a couple of updates to the uh wide eye software it, it ran fine okay and um when I first started using it, I found it really good for things like presentations and web browsing. Video was very choppy, and you could never hope to, say, game off it. But uh, again, at, uh, at Intel's developer event this year, I saw uh, their latest range of CPUs that were codenamed Ivy Bridge. The um, WideEye running on those, with the latest version of their WideEye software, is actually good enough to, to play games and 1080p video over. They had uh, Portal running on on screen completely wirelessly yeah so you could stand there with a wireless really xbox controller yeah see the game see the uh the laptop in front of you and then see it not connected to a tv and you're watching 1080p you know big screen tv playing your game yeah and i think that's, that that's been my my experience with with the new ultrabook here is that you know once it's connected that it's, it's really responsive it does work really yeah. well and, and, and got, you can do full mm, hd and it's got mm. quite a range as well i mean i was getting about five 10 meters out of it no trouble mm, which mm. um which is quite impressive for the amount of data that it's transferring to get a really good picture fluidly and and the audio and as well and so, the audio true I, yeah, yeah, the, yeah the audio as well is yeah. um yeah oh it's good and so. and uh when we get to talking about the nexus 4 a little bit later we'll talk about our experience with uh the nexus 4 and and why die but we'll we'll uh we'll we'll come back to that one uh now We've um, we've given Telecom a little bit of kudos for some of their uh, for their 4G trial and their uh, their roaming announcement this week, um, but they've been in the in the media for not such good reasons um, a couple of times actually over the last few days. They've had some pretty um, widespread internet outages. I don't know if either of you guys use their uh, um, use Telecom um, ADSL at home. Uh, I'm on Vodafone, actually. Okay, okay. So, um, so none of us have experienced it, uh, but uh, yeah, the 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 uh, the outage that I hear the the major one this week uh, went out sometime after one a.m. and uh, they were out for about seven hours until they brought uh, brought a lot of uh, a lot of their their um, their network back up, which is a reasonably you know big outage in the, in the scheme of things these days. Uh, I guess if you look back a few years, we. 
you know, in the early days of ADSL and internet, we sort of got quite used to there being outages. Uh, but these days, we don't actually get that many. So when 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 there is one, it's kind of it's kind of big news, and people are so reliant on these things. And you know, a lot of retailers rely on ADSL for um, for running their FPOS. You know, today rather than the sort of the dial up where you have to wait for it to dial and, and go through, you know, it does it online over a, over a, an internet connection, which is you know much quicker. Uh, so yeah, all sorts of uh, you know frustrations, I'm sure, for lots of people around the country. But uh, the good thing was they got it nailed, re- you know, uh, yeah, reasonably early early in the day. But since it started so early, it's it's a pity they didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, it took a quite a long time for them to really address it. Yeah, um, one of my colleagues was actually did tell me that his internet went out at about one in the morning. So I suspect he must have been on there. Network, yeah, yeah. So it's not a congestion problem, is it? Presumably, something else was going on. Well, in this case, I think, yeah, there was some sort of an upgrade that 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 went on. Um, There was word, maybe it was a it was a a chorus uh, related issue. So maybe out of out of telecoms hands. I'm not sure. I certainly didn't have have an issue. Um, You know, in my case, and like how my my home connection is with uh, is with Vodafone. So yeah, all right now. Chit-chatting about um, other sort of news and, and announcements. Uh, last week, of course, we were talking about the uh, the Galaxy Note uh, 2, which uh, which we expected to be launched last week. And uh, indeed it was by, uh, uh, I think, two degrees. You guys uh, launched it first up there, uh, Tim? I think we did. Yeah. I think uh, the official launch day was the 6th, I think. Uh, and... Uh, we might have sneaked out a day earlier than that, I think. Oh, good on you. One of our, one of our partners, should we say, that, okay, that, put it okay. that way. Um, well, the interesting thing that surprised me around that launch was uh, we had heard of a launch price of 1199 for the, the, the Note 2, and uh, the prices that we're sort of seeing online, uh, just looking at the Vodafone price before, was 1099 um, and we see that two degrees have uh, slipped in a little bit cheaper at 1049 uh, so yeah, considering um, you know the nature of of the uh, the note the note two, it's a it's a it's pretty powerful and uh, massive sort of um, you know device that sort of sits between your traditional smartphone and and your tablet. Um, I think it's pretty reasonable pricing. What's your thought, Harley? I, I think that's a pretty reasonable price. I mean, what is it? Five point five inch screen at um, at full seven twenty p. So you, you're talking about something that is really. It's almost sort of a seven-inch tablet spec, just shrunk a little further. Yeah. Um, so, so well, the thing, the funny thing is, if it were a tablet, it would probably be priced cheaper. Um, the that's strange a good, thing that's in, a good the, point. in the current world is that we pay more for smartphones than we do for for tablets. Which uh, one day somebody will explain to me. Um, but uh, you know, um, I, so, I haven't quite got my head around that yet. Maybe, maybe uh, Tim, you can explain that. Look, I can't. I, no. I, I don't know. I mean, again, same thing. We had, uh, you know, the tablets we've done have always been um, really for an equivalent spec, you know, pretty good price when you compare them to the, the high-end uh, smartphones. smartphones. Yeah. And is, is miniaturization an issue there, though? Because you, you think of smaller things, should, smaller things should be cheaper, but smaller things with the same kind of spec need to be, well, smaller. It, miniaturization of, of something that, you know, you, you get trying to get a gaming PC into something the size of a matchbox would be very difficult, and it would probably cost a lot more. So trying to get the spec of a 7-inch tablet into a 5.5-inch smartphone, I mean, maybe there is additional cost there. 
I'm being generous, but uh, I think I think you're being far too generous. I think these these components are are small, whatever they're in, and the tablets use the same small components but big batteries. But uh, which is probably again another reason why a tablet should be more expensive because it's got a bigger battery and a bigger screen. Uh, True, but, but yeah, and interesting. So maybe. Well, yeah, I think we're looking at it realistically. It's that smartphones is where the where the money's being made. There's a lot of them sold. Uh, you know, maybe there's a few more sort of um, um, layers in, in terms of um, you know getting to market and so on. Um, not sure. Um, but so, so anyway, the Galaxy Note two. So that's out now. Um, and as we say, yeah, thousand and forty nine or a thousand and ninety nine um, is what Vodafone have launched it at. Uh, I. Th- I think Telecom are, launching, are probably doing the same price as uh, as Vodafone. Uh, now, there's one other handset. Tim, tell us about the um, the Google Nexus 4. Now, this is a handset which, uh, well, there's been a few ne- Nexus products from from Google. Can maybe you can give us sort of your your uh, your take on on how uh, how these products sort of fit in and and how Google are releasing them with the different uh, manufacturers and so on involved. Well, these are the official Google devices right so these are your flagship you know devices and they tend to release one every time there's a new version or a significant new version of uh, uh, of android i guess in some ways actually this version of android isn't isn't that big a difference uh, still called jelly bean of course 4.2 um but you know they've now got a lineup of three devices so they've got the the nexus 4 um i presume the four is because it's the fourth one rather than the four inch screen and then they've got the nexus 7 which is about the seven inch screen and uh, the Nexus 10. So, uh, you know, look, as most I'm sure most of the listeners know, those are all sold directly overseas by Google online uh, on the Play Store. Yeah, that's quite an interesting approach, isn't it? That that Google is selling these, you know, d- direct, you know, bypassing all the usual channels when you're in those particular markets, which New Zealand isn't included. I guess this is similar to what Microsoft are doing with their, their Surface devices, uh, that yeah, you can only at, or certainly at this stage buy them with those direct channels in in those markets, right? Well, it, te- it tends to be for, you know for, I think from what I can understand, it's the markets that have got the full suite of Google services, especially the content, right? Media stuff if you're consuming media on these devices. So you know the books, um, the movies, the TV shows in the US, um, and the music. You know, I mean the music service actually sounds great, and I'd love to be able to use it. You know, upload your whole library and stream it anywhere and uh you know buy new tracks and it matches your existing library so you don't have to upload those if uh, if it's already got copies so that all sounds fantastic but you know those services aren't available here um and it seems that if those services aren't available then you know they won't sell won't the sell. devices directly. actually thinking about it in the in the u.s you can buy some of these products at at retail so for instance the nexus 7 tablet that, that you know that i picked up in the u.s there was going to be a big wait if i ordered it online but i was able to uh, you know, find a retailer that happened to have some stock that they hadn't made available to anyone, and I walked in and tapped them on the shoulder at the right moment and managed to get one. Uh, but that was selling at the same sort of um, at that same sort of price point, which is is interesting. Yeah, because it is. they do sell the devices very very cheaply. Mm, I don't think that's the case in Australia, from what I understand. So mm. they've just gone on sale in Australia, and I you know, I haven't. You know, I'm, I'm not that close, but I don't think, uh, and I certainly haven't seen. Um, coverage of retailers over there selling the whole range you know at mm. the same price as, mm. as what you can get it on the uh, play store okay so uh so the the nexus for uh two degrees you're the only carrier that's that's launched this in the new zealand market stage yeah we certainly are um 
you know, we I guess we were you know always excited to bring in the flagship uh, Android device. I think um, you know in the past there's been sort of some criticism of the Nexus range not not being you know as nice a finished as, as some of the devices available on the market. But I think this one has got a, a nice build quality and you know it certainly feels like a a premium device. Um, you know when you're holding it with the glass back. Uh, and um, yeah, look, it's it's always good for us to have a have a point of difference and be offering something um, that we think you know people are going to really uh, want to enjoy. And I guess you know the promise of the whole Nexus range, right? Is you've always got the latest version, or you've, you you know you're going to be the first to get the new version of of Android software when it comes out. So just to, so to clarify on that, the the Nexus Four that Two Degrees have launched in New Zealand just comes with a stock standard Android build from Google, and when Google releases an update. There's nothing in the in the mix there like there is with with products from other vendors where you guys will uh, you know have to go through a a process. They'll push it out like Apple pushes out an update uh, to to an iPhone or iOS. Is that effectively that's, that's how it works? Absolutely the case. There is nothing you know two degrees eyesed about um, about this device. Right? There's no custom software. It's the same software as on everyone. So you know, if there's something that they've stuffed up, then you guys have to live with it. But as long as they've done a good job of it, then then it's good for everyone. Yeah, look, that's right. And I, I mean, obviously, they've got to take that into account on their side, right? So their testing uh, process must be pretty thorough. They've, they've got, you know, they've partnered with LG. So LG have got um, resource all around the world who, who are going to be doing testing on their behalf as well, I'm sure. So, mm. But you're right. It, it, you know, there's a piece of work on their side to make sure that it's, uh, you know, very compatible with, with all the different networks it's going to be running on, and I, and I guess the way they manage that, of course, and, and one of the comments you've heard about this device is it doesn't have LTE, so you which know, isn't too relevant in the New Zealand market, is it? So uh, it's, not it's, something we need to worry about, but it's one of the one of the talking points in the US, right? It's de- definitely there's been you know if there's been any criticism around this device at all out of the US, it's mostly been around that. Yeah, um, well, and, that's, I, I, and that's because I don't think it's possible at this time to have a standardised LTE, um, you know, capability on a device without having a lot of testing and involvement from the carriers. So that mm. probably speaks to, I guess, LTE's maturity at this stage. Yeah, well, 4G you know, networks, which LTE, LTE is, uh, are just not that you know, common broadly yet. Now, when I looked at it, one thing was the sort of some of the curves and, and shape to it actually reminded me of a handset from about two years ago called the, uh, or maybe three years ago, or more called the uh, Motorola Q. I don't know if either of you used it, but it was very similar, except that the lower half of the uh, of where this has got the screen had a keyboard on it, uh, but very similar sort of styling and shaping. So it was quite uh, quite interesting to see um, see yeah some quite similar sort of ways that, that it's shaped on the back and so on to that. Uh, but overall, really nice um, really nice handset. I did have some issues with getting the. Uh, active sync uh, working to my my business um, or to an office 365 email account but I noticed uh, you know when we, we talked about it Tim you had no no such dramas uh, except that you were forced to uh, encrypt the uh, the whole device which means you had to have it fully charged and the uh, the power plugged in is that right well that's right I think that's the default you know the default setup is as soon as you're setting up an exchange account um, you've got to encrypt the device is going to go through an encryption phase, and, mm. and it only does that once. Yeah, fully charged with the uh, charger. Yeah, plugged in. Three quarters wasn't good enough. Yep. Um, the couple of things that, that I mean, the Android four point two is, uh, you know, each build of Android just adds a little bit of you know a few little niceties. 
Uh, a couple of things I I, I liked. Um, one is when you when you power it off, um, it shuts down like a like an old school sort of TV screen. And um, if anyone remembers that, you know the uh, the image would shrink down to a little bar and then sort of disappear as the power went out. Uh, and it does that. I think you can on a jailbroken um, iPhone, you can you can do something similar. But it, it just you know. The little things like that are, are nice, just nice little touches that they're now caring about uh, the little elements of the um, of the experience, which when Android was sort of new in its earlier releases, uh, it was pretty rough around the edges. Uh, but now we're getting to that point where they're able to start doing those nice little, uh, you know, visual adjustments and so on. Yeah, they, I mean, they seem to have taken charge, I guess, and ownership over what that you know user experience is like. Um, especially pushing out their own range of devices. The first Nexus I've used, and it's mm. you know it's just very uncluttered. It's fast, um, uh, you know, quite simple to use. I, I like it a lot. Now, in terms of oh, the other thing that I that I quite like with this build that I don't think was in the stock sort of builds of Android previously is when a call's coming in, you can accept it, reject it, or send a, an automated text message response. Um, I wasn't entirely happy with the pre-done ones but i used that yesterday somebody called me and i was in a meeting and i and i pushed out one of the standard responses of i'm busy call me later or something like that which wasn't quite as polite as what i would have probably put but uh but it 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 did the job uh and so yeah there 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 are definitely a few of those little uh little just small tweaks and improvements in there uh in fact we I, i noticed something out today about one of the first updates for windows phone 8 uh, that apparently uh, started rolling out to some of the eight, maybe the eight X uh, HTC eight X phones uh, internationally, is that it has that similar option on it. Uh, so maybe uh, window the Windows Phone platform is starting to move a little bit quicker. Although that's something that Windows Phone or Windows Mobile had going back three or four years was a similar feature: miss a call and send a text message. Uh, but they're including that in some of those new builds. So anyway, good. Good to see that coming through. Um, good on uh, good on you guys at Two Degrees to bring bring something uh, through that, that's a little bit different to what others are doing in the market. Now, on that front, Tim, wanted to hear from you a little bit about, uh, because yours is sort of a unique role, really. There's only, um, there's only probably, um, uh, you know, two other people like you within the industry in New Zealand, and we certainly don't, don't get to uh, sit down and, and have a chat very often. Um, so... Your your role uh, as the I guess the the handset guy at 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 two degrees is is qu- I think quite a fascinating one for a lot of us that are interested in uh, smartphones and in the tech new technology that's coming through and I think we'd be interested to hear a little bit about you know what what is the process f- you know f- that you go through in terms of looking at devices you know how how much ahead of the rest of us are you hearing about these new things that are coming through and have to sort of keep under wraps before they they, they get to market and so on can you uh, fill us in a little bit about that and uh, and what you do yeah sure look so don't so, give away too many well <laughs> no actually you can give away as many secrets as you like we won't complain will we Harley? not at all not at all no Look, I, I guess as a as a role, it, it I suppose sits kind of halfway between you know uh, our marketing and our sales teams, right? I'm, I'm, I mean, I sit in marketing, and that's because um, you know ideally everything we're doing is led by um, you know some marketing insights and some understanding of of, of what what uh, you know what our customers want. So you know ultimately, our handset range is is reflecting um, 
the activities that we're trying to do around, say, prepay or around, you know, contract customers or around business customers. So, you know, you want to have a balanced range that, that fits all those different groups. Um, and then, uh, you know, also that fits our channels, right, that provides our, our channels with, you know, devices that they're going to do well with and sell lots of ideally and, and uh, you know, make some margin on that, that keeps their business ticking over. So it's, a, it's kind of across those drivers and, and uh then you've got the vendors. So, you know, they're coming and doing their roadmap presentations and we're then, you know, taking those and going, well, these things fit in, you know, to what we're trying to do um, in the next uh, typically six to nine months, you know, kind of kind of lead time that you're looking out. Right. So the, when, when, when the, the media often is talking about a new handset, we're often well behind that. So you've really got some insights into what's coming through from... I don't know, I'll pick some names, the Samsungs and the Nokias and, and, and so on, really well ahead of there being any mention in the media at all. You're talking to them and getting a handle on uh, on, on what's coming through and, you know, potentially, you know, so signing up to take some of those handsets. Yeah, look, um, often, although that gap is shrinking, you know, surprisingly. So, uh, you know, the, the time frame within which we're getting to make our decisions is shrinking. Uh, and you know the amount of information that's becoming available, or at least the rumours that are beginning, or the the kind yeah. of guesses that people are making, are all starting to happen um, much closer to the same timing that we're you know thinking about making decisions on. But um, yeah, in general, you know we're having we've got a you know little bit of advance notices, I guess anybody you know anybody who's a buyer um, uh, gets to have. Um, and sometimes it's, it's shorter and sometimes it's longer. Um, I guess the challenge of, with the long ones can be that, that things change between the time when you make a call or you decide you want to right. arrange something. The market changes or the products even can, can change in that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, the price points that, that might have been looked attractive, you know, might change. Um, uh, other devices might come available in a shorter time frame. So, you know, you've got to be a bit flexible around the edges and be able to kind of, you know, bring things in that... You might not have otherwise, and the Nexus 4 in some ways fits into that space. You know, it was a kind of a project that obviously is Google-led, so, you know, it didn't go through the normal um, selection process that you'd expect. Right, because it's an LG brand, co-branded sort of device and actually built by LG. That's right. Right, yeah. And, 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 you and know, your relationships with LG, I guess, rather than Google, right? Google don't sort of... That's right, no. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, we had to wait, I guess, and, and make sure that Google wasn't doing it themselves directly before... It was worth us taking a look and, and thinking whether we could do it or not. Yeah, interesting. Now um, we we were we didn't did we fully? I don't think we sort of fully dived into the discussion around um, um, you know pricing of that particular handset. Um, so what I guess what we know is it's it's sold in the US at a at a pretty low figure, isn't it? Is it so three three forty nine US, yeah, isn't it? and yeah for that for that particular the, for the, the 16, 16, gig. sixteen gig model and three I think three ninety nine and uh, across the ditch in Australia in Australia yeah. yeah yeah and so that's the price that Google are selling it direct at correct so when we and I guess this is the question that you know that, that a few people have asked is you know why do we pay so much more here in, in New Zealand can you sort of fill us in on 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 how that works. Yeah, sure. Um, look, I think there's there's just a couple of, of pretty key reasons, and and none of them are any great mystery. And if you, if you have a look around, um, you know, some of the sites, you'll see um, some discussion around it. But really, effectively, I think the first thing is that Google is buying a lot of them. Right? They're going to be placing single orders uh, with LG for large, large numbers of these uh, units, and, and you can tell by the global demand and 
how quickly it sold out, um, especially when it launched. I think it looks like demand supply is coming through a bit better at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, it, look, it certainly looks as though that Google is selling these pretty much at a at a you know at a cost point or at, you know at a, at a at a cost price, just so that they can you know get their get their product into into the market. That, that's right, and, and then there's been some you know suggestions um, that you know maybe they even uh, slightly discount it based on make a loss you know the, the, the media on the, services on the hardware and yeah. so on because they'll make it up elsewhere on selling other Indeed. other services yeah, yeah that's right interesting and then i guess the third the third key factor is that uh, you know we've got some handling costs which are relatively minor but then there's channel margin right so we you know we're selling this through our you've got retailers. retail partners hmm. uh, you know they've got to make some margin on on uh, on selling this product uh, so that's you know that's where you get to, and it, it's you know when you do the stack, it's pretty easy to see how you know how it adds up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think really the the more logical comparison is to say well, what else is on the market, you know, at a similar price point, you know, in that spec. And and when you look at it that way, you know, it's a pretty reasonable price. You're seeing the S3 around for seven nine nine on some retailers at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and I guess you know if people want to, they can still bring one of those in from from offshore. If you know if they choose to do so. Yep. Uh, you know, they're, they're just you know they're going to be sort of limitations around warranties and you know and you know other associated challenges, but probably warranties the the main one if something happens to a product and you and you've bought it offshore. And I've certainly been been caught with that because from a reviewing perspective, we can't get hold of everything. So sometimes we'll bring things in to have a look, and um, yeah, it, it's um, it's not unusual for those those products to have some sort of issue. Uh, so. Um, um, yeah, then you're kind of left high and dry, right? So th- th- there's some advantages of buying locally. Yeah, that's right. And I guess you haven't had a chance to go into a store and have a play with it, you know, when you're doing that. Although, obviously, a lot of the people buying it early, you know, they know what they're getting. Mm. Um, and you know, we'll also do it on a, if it, you know, we'll do it for business customers on a on a good plan as well. Subsidised. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. No, that's good. I mean, I think as you say, most of that was is, is generally known info, but it, it's it's good just to. Uh, um, yeah, to to review that because you know sometimes it you know it doesn't add up to uh, to everyone. I saw you saw the warehouse yesterday do a bit of a special on it at six nine nine. So I think they uh, you know they sold out uh, twice. I think during the day. Yeah, yeah. No, and and uh, you know I think that's that's the flip side. We'll get a retail price listed, and then you know um, you know certain retailers will come in with some pretty sharp uh, discounts. In fact, I think if I look back the last uh, you know Christmas or two, you know Boxing Day sales, we've seen uh, you know some of the reasonably large retailers off the you know twenty percent off right across every handset that they've got. Uh, so you can imagine you know an eight hundred dollar handset uh, could be six hundred and forty dollars on on Boxing Day potentially. So uh, you know that's uh, that that makes some of these devices pretty pretty sharp, even comparing international little. Uh, Right, so yeah, not that we can always wait that long uh, when it's a, an exciting new gadget, right? Indeed. Um, now, anything else that sort of st- stood out for you on the um, on the Nexus Four? You, you've certainly I've only just had it for a few days. Uh, anything for you that sort of particularly sort of jumped jumped out at you? Now, one limitation is that it it doesn't have expandable storage, does it, compared to some of the other devices? Yeah, that's true. So it yeah. comes with 16 gig yeah. um, built-in. Which is becoming more and more common, isn't it? We're seeing a lot of devices that are just, you know, they've got a fixed storage, and if you want access to more stuff, you're, you're pulling it down. Well, and every, over, everything's, over back, air, right? everything's so. backing up online, right? Mm. So as soon as you log in with your Gmail ID, you know, all your photos, all your videos and things are, you know, going to get backed mm. up. 
And that that backup side of it, I've noticed the you know when we look at uh, Windows Phone eight and Android now, just you know each iteration gets slightly better with what it does in terms of its online you know backup. There's stuff that each platform doesn't back up, and there are things that each platform does back up. Uh, I guess iOS seems to be the most sort of robust in being able to do sort of a full device backup. Um, but yeah, one of the things I, I noticed is Windows Phone 8 now, you know, will, will like Windows 8 does, can can back up your kind of um, your various uh, other accounts that are sort of linked in, uh, you know, your, your exchange email accounts and things like that, and you recover the device and it's just, uh, you know, it'll prompt you for the passwords and so on but it'll, it'll reset those up but um, I don't think Google's doing that yet with uh, with Android are they but they're backing up all your apps and and your content re, you know reloading them and so on right yeah yeah, yeah but not yeah. quite not quite down to the same level I don't think with settings and mm, mm. Wi-Fi setups and things like that now um, jumping on to other a uh, few other devices so uh, We've got the Nokia Lumia 820 that's coming from uh, from Vodafone this Friday, and that's got a lot of similarities to the Lumia 920, uh, which Telecom launched. Um, but the 820 comes in at uh, $799, I think, is the price point that we've uh, that we've seen so far. So that's a, that's an interesting one. Does have a lower resolution um, screen, so much lower uh, lower res. We're talking 480 by 800 uh, pixels or 480p versus 720p, so it's it's a it's a fair chunk lower, but it's it still looks like a nice uh, nice handset. Um, we'll share a little bit more on that once we've uh, once we've had had hands on. Uh, the other handset we have talked about in that Windows Phone 8 sort of side of things is the HTC 8X, uh, which is appearing on HTC's New Zealand website, uh, but we haven't been able to confirm from anyone at HTC or any of the carriers. Um, when and how that's going to become available in New Zealand. Um, I'm looking at Tim, but uh, there's there's no nod, so I'm guessing uh, two degrees don't have have anything up there up their sleeves. Tim, your Windows uh, Phone 8, um, the product that you guys are doing is the is the Samsung, um, the 8 of S. Yeah. That, yep. Yep. And yep. It, that's been delayed, as far as we know. We don't have an actual. Well, we haven't. There hasn't been a launch date announced for that yet, has there? Uh, no, there hasn't. No, so it has, you know, unfortunately slipped a, a bit from was going to be beginning of uh, December. So uh, look, I think we're, you know, looking forward to it coming. It's it's a great spec, um, really kind of an S three running, you know, running Windows uh, phone. Mm. Um, and uh, look, it's a really nice device. So you know, we're working closely with Samsung and, and hope to get that out uh, as soon as we can in the new year. Because um, I think it is, you know, it is going to really add to the range of, of devices out there. And uh, I think it'll be, you know, it'll be a pretty good price. Yeah, no, it looks like a really nice, nice device. Uh, it was well priced. I think it was announced at seven nine nine, which I think is pretty sharp. And it's got expandable storage and four point eight inch screen and so on. So um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty, pretty good one. Uh, now, oh, another um, little device or gadget, well, not so little actually, um, that we played with recently was um, the 2013 Ford Focus Sport. Now, we finally got our uh, our little sort of video review of um, of the technology and that online where we had a play with uh, Ford Sync technology, uh, which some of you may remember that we, we talked about going back probably... Uh, 18 months we had a play with that in the US that's finally launched into the New Zealand uh, market in, um, uh, in, the, in the new Ford Focus S or Ford Focus Sport 
Um, so we had a bit of a play around with that. So you can check out the video. We'll um, we'll have a link and details of that up on the nztechpodcast.com um, website very, very soon. Uh, now, last week we had a bit of a chat around uh, what was going on with QuickFlix and, and Freeview and uh, Igloo. Uh, we didn't really get a chance to get to give some of that content justice so next week uh we're going to be diving in with uh with a bit more content and uh we've invited the uh the gms of a couple of those companies to uh into uh to join us here on the uh on the nz tech podcast so we'll, we'll be able to i guess fill in a little bit more detail around what's happening uh as as far as tv and and uh and broadcast and the like in the uh, in the new zealand market so that should be uh, should be a bit of fun uh, now, last couple of gadgets that we wanted to uh, wanted to discuss uh, ones that have been out in the market now for uh, for a little while, uh, but uh, ones that we've spent a bit of time playing with. Now, Harley, we, we were chatting earlier about the iPad Mini, which is, seems to be your uh, your tablet of choice at the moment. Um, tell us about that. Indeed. Well, um, I uh, this is my first iOS device ever, actually. So it's uh, I've I've never had an iPhone or um, never never had an iPad or used one for more than an hour at a time. So um, I was was looking for for some kind of iOS device uh, to mostly to review apps and things on. It's, it seems that if you don't have an iOS device, there are so many things that you can never try because the default platform is is iOS. Whenever someone puts out an app. And, yeah, most um, things will come out for yeah. iPhone or iPad before. Exactly, yeah. 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 And Android six months works. later, maybe. And, and my, my phone platform of choice is Windows Phone, so usually apps just don't come out for me on, on the phone. But um, so, so I thought I'd pick up, and pick up an iPad too. And then the Mini was announced and uh, ended up getting that instead, uh, mostly based on, on price and the fact that the Mini is the iPad too, but in a 7-inch size instead of 10. It's uh, same processor, same screen resolution, so apps appear exactly as they would on the iPad 2. There's no, you know, recoding required like there is for the iPad Retina. And um, it, it's a wonderful little tablet. I've been having a great time with it. And it's, again, it is almost identical to the iPad 2, except it uses the new uh, Lightning connector, which is found on the new iPhones and the latest uh, iPad Retina as well. And it's got, it's the first iPad ever, or first iOS device, I believe, to have stereo speakers yeah, yeah, that was uh, something that maybe uh, yeah wasn't sort of obvious from the get go, right? No, um, it's hilarious though because the uh, stereo speakers are both on the bottom of the device, at the left and right of the bottom. But uh, if you're watching a movie or, or any kind of video where, where stereo sound might be you know important, you're going to have the device in landscape, which means that both of the stereo speakers are on the left hand side, which makes for a rather interesting noise. Yeah, that's so. uh, yeah, that's 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 an interesting. Uh, observation really isn't it but um, um, well yeah I mean I had I similar experiences with the iPad mini I actually for me it was a bit of a surprise but I really I really like it it's it's sort of my favorite um, you know probably device you know certainly out, out of you know in the iPad range and yeah I got used to using sort of bigger tablets um, but then you know this year I've played with a, a few seven inch tablets but I find that the yeah the form factor of it is is really nice. It works works really well. Um, now I guess one of the flip sides with buying the the iPad is that all your charges and your other bits and pieces didn't work. 
That's true. Yeah. Um, you but, haven't had any any problems with that? Well, or you didn't, there's not I, a whole lot you need to plug in. You just need one charger and they, you're away. Exactly. It, well, yeah. it lasts for a long time, right? It's not it quite does. like a smartphone mm. where you maybe or or a laptop where you need to have a few uh, few charges scattered around the place well i use i use it very heavily i would probably be using it with the screen on and actually inputting things uh probably for about four hours a day at least and wow. i get two days out of it so you know eight, eight hours battery life which is about what it advertises so um and and often i'll get more than two days i'll get two days and i'll charge it halfway through the third or something mm-hmm. but uh, so, so i just always charge it at home uh, if i'm going to be using it all day at work a couple of times i have been um when i first got it i was using it to to write a lot on just to see you know if i could and i kept the charger with me then ended up never plugging it in anyway right okay so um but it is just it is a standard usb charger it's just the actual plug on the device so you don't even need to carry around the charger. You just need to carry around the cable as long as you have a, uh, a USB charger for another tablet or smartphone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and the other device, um, so, yeah, the iPad Mini definitely, I think, gets the, the thumbs up from, from both of us. Um, the other device is the Microsoft Surface RT, which we were playing around with a little bit uh, earlier. Uh, and uh, I've, I've actually done a little bit of a review for uh, PC World that I, uh, will be in the next uh, the next issue. Um, and yeah, I guess now I've I guess I've been playing with it for over a month now. Must be uh, must be getting on towards sort of six weeks. And yeah, I've, I found it's actually it's actually a pretty cool uh, pretty cool device. Quite quite unique. It's definitely got its shortcomings. Being a new uh, a new device and a new ecosystem, there aren't. You have millions of apps like we see on iOS and so on, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool with the you know the keyboard, the kickstand, uh, really really well built um, hardware. What are your thoughts? You had a little bit of a, a little bit of a look at the hardware and, and so on too. Yeah, um, I've I've seen it a few times when when people have pulled them out and said, "Hey, look what I've got and you don't have," and um, <laughs> and. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed with the hardware. I mean, I've always been a fan of Microsoft hardware. They've always done very good um, with their range of you know, keyboards, mice. I mean, even the Xbox as well. So I'm not surprised that they put out a very good hardware product. But I'm kind of surprised that it works so well as a tablet because that's something that they've never done before. And um, I, I was I was not expecting something as as slick as it is. And and I mean, the keyboard is an absolutely beautiful touch. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with what I've seen so far. But I haven't had a chance to use one for a long period of time, so I don't know how I'd feel actually using it as a tablet. But can it could it replace your laptop, Paul, if you were going travelling for you know a few days or a week or so? Yeah, I th- I think it could. You know, in the same way that you know there are people today that will will travel with a with an iPad instead of instead of a laptop. But the difference is that it actually brings you a bit closer to the functionality of what a of what a laptop does. Uh, you know, I mean, some of the things are, are small, but having that keyboard cover is really convenient. That it's really easy to use. And when I when I um, you know when I look at the number of people now that use their iPads with, say, a Bluetooth keyboard, um, you know, that to me is not such a good experience as using the key- the keyboard that comes or one you know one of the keyboards that you can use. Uh, with the Microsoft Surface, because that keyboard is just part of your cover, uh, so it's actually physically attached. So there's no batteries that are in the keyboard that need to be separately charged. Oh yeah, I've got to charge my iPad plus my keyboard. It's actually all attached through. It's just you know it's just one element. Uh, you know there are, it, it's not a full laptop in terms of 
you know, if you want to use it on your, on, on your lap, um, you know, it's not as easy to sort of, you know, balance on one leg or, you know, hold at a strange angle and so on because it's not one big sort of solid piece like a laptop is. Uh, but, you know, in a lot of other situations, it, it works really well. And because it runs Windows RT, which is a, you know, it's a cut down version of Windows, it won't run all of the apps that you run on a traditional laptop. But it does come with that home and student version of Office. So you've got Word, Excel, and PowerPoint there. You can, you know, you can work away on things. Uh, you can plug a mouse in if you want to use a mouse, which is, you know, something that I've I've done with it because it sort of, you know, can work a bit better than the built-in trackpad. Uh, and I've also got it linked up. So uh, I've I've tested it sort of linked up uh, to a server at my office, so that actually I can use Outlook on it. Uh, but Outlook's not running on the Surface device directly. It looks as though it is, but it's actually sitting on a server uh, remotely in the office that it, that it's linked up to. Uh, using Microsoft's remote uh, app capability. So, uh, you know, the, the lines are sort of somewhat blurred there uh, between, yeah, what it officially can do and what you actually can do, you know, if you're linking into a Microsoft sort of server environment. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's, um, you know, it is a really innovative product in, in terms of the, you know, the things that it that it does. Uh, when we look at the weight of it, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, 28 grams or 30 grams heavier than a uh, than an, an iPad fourth generation, so it's a little bit heavier. But when you you know when you think about uh, that, often with an iPad you're going to be carrying around a keyboard, a dock, or something as well, uh, which w- will make the iPad actually a chunk heavier, uh, and you're dealing with a bigger screen. So uh, yeah, for that sort of work work use, I think it's really good. And yeah, what, what about the uh, battery life? Uh, battery life is pretty good. Um, yeah, I haven't had too many issues. I'll take it over your show here, by the way, asking you the question. No, no, that's uh, that's just fine. Um, no, th- I mean the battery life has been okay. One thing I have noticed because it's um, you know it it does uh, it's got the sort of functionality where in the background it will go and it'll sort of wake up and check your email and those sorts of things. Um, you know, if you leave it for a few days, um, you know, it actually a bit more goes on behind the scenes than what what we've had in the past with uh, with some tablets. But the convenience is, is as soon as you you grab it to, to use it as long as it, you know you haven't left it too long so the battery's gone flat uh, then you know all your email and your other bits and pieces you know that sort of stuff is, is actually up to date um, so you're not having to pull all of that stuff down um, the thing that one of the things that it is missing that you know a lot of iPad users have got used to is, is the option of 3G and so it doesn't have that uh, option in the current Models. Harley, do you use a 3G tablet? or You've gone with the Wi-Fi? No, I've, I've um, gone with the Wi-Fi only. Yeah. So I, I find it's so inconvenient actually maintaining two phone plans. And I mean, I'm a journalist. I'm poor. I can't, I can't afford two SIM cards. <laughs> so I just tether to my phone whenever I do and, and use my, um, my huge 250 megabyte a month data plan whenever <laughs> I want to access things on, on the go. I see Tim chuckling in the corner there, uh, Quietly knowing that uh, two degrees uh, can offer you a second uh, a second sim to tag onto your data plan. Sure can. Sure. Uh, we will talk. We'll talk afterwards. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no hole in my iPad to put it in because I, I was uh, also too cheap to buy the 3G version. Yeah, well, I mean, you do pay quite a premium for it, and I think you know when we, when we look at it, the majority of tablets sold today don't include a 3G don't include a 3G capability. Uh, you know, it is sort of a, the premium, the premium option, and you know, as you say, you can tether through another uh, device now. So um, it's it's not it's just, a necessity. I mean, I guess the advantage of it is just obviously you're using you're using the battery on that device rather than tethering and then draining your, you know the device you're tethering through. So, but look, there is that premium, and it's always struck me that it's larger 
it's a larger delta than it kind of feels like it should be, right? When you can buy a well, data stick for 49 bucks, why? Well, that's right. You, I mean, you can go out and buy a cheap 3G uh, cell phone for, for you know, 30 or $40 as well. So, yeah, it does seem strange that you pay a big, big premium for uh, for that 3G capability in, uh, in devices. That, that does make me think. Um, saying you could buy a data stick for, for you know, 49 bucks or whatever, um, could, given the Surface uh, will let you plug in you know, any any Windows supported hardware? Could you plug in a data stick to your Surface? Well, the Surface doesn't support any Windows supported hardware because right. with the with the um, Windows RT uses the ARM uh, chipset rather than the traditional Intel. Mm-hmm. So there are some devices that won't won't work. But my experiences with it have been pretty good. Um, I did I did have a Vodafone um, data stick floating around, but I've um, I. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure where it is at the moment. So uh, I haven't tried that particular one, but there are lots and lots of devices uh, plugged in uh, one of HP's new USB slash wireless multifunction devices earlier just to test out, you know, how does the Surface go with a, with a really new, um, you know, new printer scanner multifunction. And I thought, oh, this, you know, this could be asking for, this could be asking for trouble really. You know, usually these devices come with a, a load of, DVDs you've got to load in and you know uh, can be a bit of a bit of a nightmare and I plugged it in and then I went into the printers and devices sort of um, section uh, to to have a look and uh, there was the printer turned up as my default printer I could right click on it and choose scan and I was able to scan straight from that multifunction straight into my device as you would with a with a laptop or PC or probably probably easier actually because there's no option for a DVD or anything and uh, the the driver just came down and automatically installed without even asking me a question. It just you know, it just worked. It was really cool. Yeah, it sounds a lot easier than than printing, setting up a printer on a PC. Yeah, I've just, so, just been reviewing um, printers and yeah. So uh, you know, I think part of you know part of that's is probably the the sort of Windows eight um, you know platform that RT is is built on. Uh, part of it is that RT devices aren't going to have CD drives and those, those sort of hoops. Uh, you know, there's probably a couple of elements to it, but uh, yeah, it, it worked really well. And you know, I've I've found you know most bits and pieces I've played with uh, are, are pretty good. So um, yeah, there's definitely uh, some some extra flexibility that the Surface brings that that certainly makes it more PC like than than the traditional tablet. And yeah, for instance, I was uh, I was tethering. Uh, with you know my phone uh, recently, and of course I was able to plug my phone actually into the USB slot on the Surface, and to use it, it's you know it's battery. Uh, so there's some you know there's some conveniences there uh, that that it that it comes with yeah compared to what we've had in the past. So um, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, well that's probably uh, that's probably us for this episode. Um, one, one little update for me: I was coming back to you with the uh, oh yes remarkable pricing on our 12 gigabyte. Broadband zone pack ninety nine dollars. Ninety nine dollars. Okay. Yeah, that's. I, cool. I don't think anyone can complain about that. Now there was something else uh, that I think we might have scooted through earlier. Something we've been asking um, the carriers around was, um, you know, what's happening with the Galaxy S three. Now this is really one of the favourite handsets amongst our our listeners and and probably you know um, you know tech heads and 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 uh, you know gadget followers everywhere at the moment. Um, but we've been waiting on this update from uh, from Ice Cream Sandwich or Android 4.0 to the 4.1 update. Um, what's what's happening? What's Two Degrees doing in, in those regards, Tim? So, look, the good news is uh, we've just we have just approved 
um, the software on our side. Uh, it doesn't you know it doesn't take us long to, I guess, sort of regression test a new build of software. So uh, we've provided that approval uh, to Samsung, and, and now we're waiting for them to queue up the you know upgrade process. I think there's a piece of work for them to do because obviously they're rolling it out, you know, globally. Yep. Um, I imagine it all comes off a similar set of infrastructure. Uh, and then I think they have sort of a phasing. They try not to push the whole thing out at one, you know, day one, push it out to everybody. There's kind of a phasing they go through where I think they sort of cycle through different um, sort of phone hardware ranges just to try and smooth out the upgrade process. So, you know, look, um, as soon as we get we get an answer, we'll um, we'll let you know. Okay, okay. Oh, that's good that it's uh, that's moved along to the next phase. And we've heard something similar from uh, from Vodafone. We haven't heard back from Telecom, but I'm hoping that uh, you know, for, for for any of those listening uh, that are in that situation, that um, yeah, it won't be too far off before you get your uh, before you get your update. Do you have any idea how long these things usually take? Sort of from sign off from traditional, is it is it usually a couple of weeks or? Yeah, I think a couple of weeks is probably a pretty fair yeah, estimate. Yeah, you know, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think I think probably we're all aware of how you know how much um, users of these phones want it, um, and you know, it's one of those phones where people just want to have a latest version as soon as it's available. So it is out there; it's coming. Um, yeah. Should be pretty soon. All right. Well, I'll ask you for a sneaky copy of it later, Tim. We'll see what you can do. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can give you that now. <laughs> all right. Well, that's great. Hey, um, thanks guys for joining us. Now, uh, where do we where do we find both of you uh, online, Harley? Uh, you're on Twitter. Yep, you'll find me on Twitter as at uh, Harley Oshio, if anyone can actually spell my surname. Well, we'll put it. We'll put a link up on the NZ Tech Podcast. Site, yeah, that, that so, might be a little easier. It's O G I E R, right? You've got it right. Okay, okay, uh, and uh, of course we can see a lot of your gadget and tech reviews and so on at PCWorld.co.nz. That's right, uh, PCWorld.co.nz reviews. And, and and in the magazine, of and course. In the magazine, what uh, what exciting uh, bits and pieces are coming through in the next uh, in the next issue, which will be out. When? Next issue will be out in February, as we have combined uh, December and January each year. Yep. It's, um, we're looking at Windows eight all in one PCs in February, which I've just finished testing. It's been a rather interesting experience. So lot, lots of touch screens, lots of twenty three and twenty seven inch touch screens, which is. Uh, Feels very, very futuristic. Uh, lots of people have walked into the lab while I've been testing them and, and you know, got this sort of Star Wars reference. I'm sitting there, hands all over the screen. So That's cool. It's been great fun. Yeah. Which, uh, which ones have you, have you played with? Uh, I've checked out the Dell XPS 127, um, the Samsung Series 7, because Samsung names everything Series 7 or Series 9, um, from TVs to computers to... Um, so the Samsung Series 7 all-in-one, the an Acer and an Asus, uh, the model numbers of which escape me, and Hewlett-Packard, the NV23 TouchSmart. Okay. So cool. quite, oh, a so range. quite a quite a yeah, variety. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Almost look, one from everyone. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to having uh, having having a look at all that. That's great. Uh, and Tim, where do we uh, where do we track you down online? You've well, got a you've got a Twitter handle there. Yeah, I, d- I do have one, but you know it's not. <laughs> I think if you look back at the history of it, it's not terribly productive uh, output. But uh, it is there at, at Timmy Hay. Good. So people can send you tweets, and, and you'll give them all sorts of secrets about when the next firmware updates and so on are coming out. I'll I'll, I'll release what I can, mate. You know, I'll fly close to the wind. Uh, but they, I mean, there's there's an official uh, an an official uh, two degrees handle, right? Where on on Twitter, where they're pretty good at responding on uh, yeah, you know at, on, at, on on general queries, right? At, at two degrees mobile. Okay. Yep. 
So cool. Paul, Paul O'Brien runs that and does a great job. Yep, excellent, excellent. Um, anywhere else we should uh, we should look out online for. Uh, oh no, that's me, mate. That, that's, that's, that's you. That's Ex- all. Excellent, yeah. excellent. All right. Hey, well, thanks uh, both of you for uh, for coming in and uh, and joining us on episode uh, one hundred and two. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, to having you guys back um, on another occasion. Uh, that's us for this week. Uh, thanks everyone for listening in. See ya.